0: 18 plus good morning
1: patrons good morning
2: good morning
1: ah oh, what a beautiful morning this is Lucas in the morning?
3: I'm from the old school. I got a street knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying?
1: The show where the hot topics get doused with a bucket of cold water. Now that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts and get ready for a radio ride. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here's Mike Lucas.
4: And welcome, excuse my voice, welcome to a Johnny Come Lately. Thursday slash Friday, uh, John Audius on assignment. He really is on assignment. Huge volleyball matchup tonight in Minneapolis between the Badgers and the Gophers. So John Audius will be back at his uh, normal kickoff time tomorrow. Tomorrow. So that really is a Johnny come lately slash Thursday Friday in his stead. How do you spell Stead? S-T-E-A-D? Yeah, that sounds right. That would be Big Bad John. Big
2: John.
3: Big John. Have a morning at the
5: mine. I
4: already gave you a heads up, but my voice is crackling a little bit this morning, so you're going to have to be more talkative, whether you like it or not. Oh, I'll try my best. And the key in sports talk radio, it doesn't matter what you say, or if you have any substance, just keep blabbing, okay? That's good. That's good advice. Yeah, yeah, that's all it takes. It doesn't. It doesn't really need a whole lot of substance. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, you're our super uber super duper uber super duper uber driver, aren't you? Super duper. Oh, that's a tough one. Ahead, yeah, that's it. tough for
3: six. Super duper uber driver. That is true. That is what I am. Are
4: you busier in the cold weather? It just makes sense. You would be.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, since it turned a little colder, I've been getting a lot more rides. Did you work last night? Uh, no, actually, I did Well, I worked here last night. I was okay. doing the Badgers postgame show. Uh, right. And then I went home and went to bed because I needed to get up for this.
4: Got it. So you've told me in the past that you enjoy this line of work being a super duper Uber driver because you meet some interesting people. So you tell me right now the most interesting person you've ever met while carting them around. Ooh. Um, probably. Uh, so, yeah, I'm. I don't know. if I
3: I think I can say this. I met, um, what was his name? Uh, Tyrone Taylor for the Brewers. I took him to Miller Park. Uh, Where'd you pick him up? So he was staying at a townhouse in Brookfield when he got called up just because they needed to put him up somewhere for September. And it's like two o'clock. I I used to live in New Berlin before I moved over here. So right by Brookfield and I'm driving around uh, and I get a request at 2 p.m. to go to Miller Park. I'm like, huh, game's not till seven. That's a little weird. I drive over there. The name is Tyrone. And I'm, you know, being a Brewers fan, I'm like, two o'clock going to Miller Park. So you made the connection. I did. Good for you. Uh, but I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to be like super fan when he gets in the car, you know, being like, oh my God, you're a Brewers player. Oh my God. So I waited until he got in the car. We start driving. I'm like, so what's taking you over to Miller? They're trying to be all cool, right? I'm like, okay. so what's taking you so over to Miller
4: Park? At that point, you know who he is. I do know who he is. All yeah.
3: Right. Um, and so then he's like, well, I'm, I'm actually on the team. So then I've got my in to be like, Oh no way! You're Tyrone Taylor, and so then we got to talking. Was about, he
4: impressed that you knew
3: him? Uh, and I don't know that he was impressed. He was just, you know, trying to get to work that day, I guess. But it, we, we got a really good conversation about, you know, what it's like to play and all the because he at that point he hadn't really played at Miller Park yet. He got called up while they were on the sure. road in Chicago, so he was excited to get to play at Miller Park and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and we were talking about what ballparks he's liked the most, what's really cool about being a, a major league player, and it was it was a cool conversation.
4: Do you have to be careful on initiating any type of conversation? How do you do it? Do You just you say nothing until someone speaks to you. How how does that work? I'm not sure.
3: Uh, well, basically, what I try to do is on my like profile, you can look at it if you want. It says that I am a talkative person because so I want Really? So I want to. I want to.
4: Who put that down?
3: Uh, <laughs> I did. I, okay. I, I want to put that out there okay. so that people feel like they can talk to me. And then normally when they get in the car, I'll just ask how they're doing, um, and if they seem like they want to talk like if they engage that question then we talk so if you had somebody
4: grumpy crotchety like me in the back seat and you ask me a question i give you like a one word yeah then we don't have to talk for the rest of the ride all right yeah
3: Yeah, and you know it's it's a little awkward sometimes if it's a long ride where i'm kind of like hoping that they'll talk to me but i'll frequently get people who are like talking on the phone yeah i
4: was going to say they're probably immersed in something else
3: exactly so i'm you know i don't take it personally when they don't want to talk but the best rides are when people actually strike up Open a conversation up a with you. Yeah. yeah communication. Then you
4: have fun. The thing I didn't ask you the last time we talked about you being a super duper Uber driver.
3: Oh, you got it down already.
4: Uh, is if I wanted to do that or anybody else wanted to do that might be listening now, how do they go about it? And what type of, what type of interviewing process is there to become a driver? So it's
3: that you have to fill, uh, fill out a form for a background check. And then the, and then the Uber company does a background check on you. I, I, the way I, that i understand it the rules are different from city to city and area to area okay. because it's not there's no like national legislation on this. Is there a face this. to face interview? Uh there at least not in the Madison and Milwaukee areas. There was right. no face to face interview. I just had to fill out this background check. Um you have to have a certain kind of car. It ha- has to be it can't be older than like 2005, i believe. Oh. Um no serious cosmetic issues, so no big dent in the door. Um and it, then depending on what kind of car you have, like if you drive an Escalade, you know, you can do different kinds of rides. Would that,
4: would that help you more if you were driving an Escalade?
3: It can. Yeah, because there's um. so the normal Uber ride is called an Uber X ride. That's the normal one. But there are like there's Uber XL. If you have a like a multiple like a like a six or eight seat car, okay. you can take lar- larger groups of people. There's like the Uber premium for, for real rich people who want to pay to have like a black town car pick them up. Sure. So if you had one of those cars, you can pick up a different kind of clientele. And do,
4: pe- do people just like go into that business buying a town car knowing that this is my profession and I can make money to you know, the, it justify the expense of the car I, itself?
3: I, I don't know if they do that level. I, right. I do know people who either rent or buy a car specifically to do Uber. Uh, full time and know that they will make the cost of that car back. And then some I'm sure doing there's it.
4: some people who do over just because they're bored with life and they get yeah. a chance to, like you said, I'm talkative and I'll, uh, there'll be interesting guests and maybe not so interesting people that I'll take someplace.
3: That stuff, you see a lot of people, there's, there's, there's the people who do it full time, but then there's a lot of like 60 year old retirees who sure. just want to get out of the house or, you know, people like me, you know, 20 to 25. Supplementing, your income. supplementing your income. Yeah, Exactly. Right, so there's well, definitely a, a wide variety well, of Well, I
4: appreciate you sharing because yeah. I, I just know, know so little about it and yet realize how big it's become. Absolutely. For all of us as far as looking to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Now, are you a fan of the underdog? Yeah, I, I'd say in general I am. Okay, so my underdog in this case is like a scout team player. Okay. All right, for a major division college basketball program. Sure. I.e., Wisconsin. He's played three years, 22 career games in the first two seasons, this being at th- third year, a total of 11 points. Oh, wow. But he's been really good on the scout team. Yeah. And he takes orders well, um, gives everybody a good look, uh, practices hard. You never have to worry about him. Good student good locker room guy. Um, I always look for this story where he gets a little bit of sunlight or the spotlight is shined on him ever so briefly, and that was the case last night in the Wisconsin basketball game with Walt Walt McGrory, M-C-G-R-O-R-Y. I'm sure he's more unknown than unsung. He's both, all right? Like I said, 22 career games, a total of 103 minutes. He played all of 31 minutes last year. Last year, 31 minutes last year and scored six points. All of last year coming off the bench in rare yeah. situations. But was a steady contributor on the scout team. Sure. And everybody knows what the scout team is, right? The, the group of players, mostly walk-ons, um, who line up daily, whether it be in football or basketball, and go against the number one unit. Yep. it's It's... It's hard. Yeah. It's not easy. Now, you, you you, get some freedom on scout teams in basketball. They allow you to shoot a little bit more. Uh, but you're not running your, your team offense, which is part of the storyline last night for Walt McGrory coming off the bench. He rarely runs Wisconsin's offense, so he's picked it up a little bit over the last couple of weeks. And Greg Gard said as much after the game, said, yeah, he's starting to figure out some things, and and he's showing up. He's starting to emerge. And even Gardo was in, and I've been trying to figure out a way to get him some playing time. Well, last night, the circumstances were such that Kobe King didn't play. He injured his ankle. Nobody thinks it's serious. Most people believe he'll be playing against Marquette on Sunday. So Kobe King is out. Uh, in the first half, Nate Reavers got into foul trouble. In the first half, Aleem Ford got into foul trouble. And all of a sudden, Walt McGrory is on the floor. And I'm sure a lot of people in the coast are like, who's Walt McGrory? Yeah. heard the name I think I heard the name once or twice yeah at the end of some blowout games but who's Walt McGroy? well he scored nine points yeah in the he understand at a game. time when the game was clearly still in balance the Badgers yeah. didn't take the lead until the later stages of the first half and he looked good doing it he looked confident which surprised me because I've watched him practice sure but here it is a totally different you know scenario when you're under the hot lights, the bright lights, even though it was a McDe state, doesn't matter. This is your real first opportunity. Show what you can do this year, yeah. this year. Um, and he shined. So after the game, everybody talked to Greg Gard. And so did we during his radio show. And we asked him about Walt McGrory.
6: Walt McGrory has been catching our attention over the last few weeks. And regardless of Kobe King's injury, I, I needed to find a way and, and I've talked to the staff about it and even talked to Walt about it. I've got to try to find a way to get him on the floor because he's earned that opportunity and he's played really well in the scout team. He's just solid, just sound, just how he plays tonight. That's how he's been every day.
4: Just like that storyline, right? It's a fun story for sure. I mean, somebody who's waited his turn and took advantage of the opportunity last night. Like I said, nine points in the first half. Yeah, And now I'm, t- I'm sure he's today he's got a little bit more bounce in his step. I bet right? he does. Right? Feeling a little bit better. Probably some of his old classmates, teammates from I uh, texted him last night. Whatever you guys do, what do you... Just, yeah, text or Facebook, whatever. Yeah, people don't do text anymore, do they? No, people text. Do they still text?
3: I, well, I do, but maybe I'm too old for what so the nobody, kids are doing these days. Nobody does Facebook, do they? Uh, I use so Facebook a lot. is that Snapchat? Uh, yeah, I do think a lot of people use Snapchat. Do you do that? I'm uh, not a big Snapchat guy.
4: Okay, okay. everyone has its its own preference. Yeah. So this is only half the story. We're, we touched on Wisconsin winning last night, but we're trying to set up Sunday's matchup with Marquette. Yep. And, man, Golden Eagles fans got a lot to be happy about tonight, or rather today, based on what happened last night in the second half. We'll talk about that next on Lucas in the Morning.
2: Silver from the north of Spain
7: he's done really well in practice he's on scout team he's always the other guys best player he takes it to us numerous times throughout the year already so we expected him to come up be confident play his role did that great job tonight you know he's definitely a big reason why we got the win tonight
3: just try to be ready for the moment and just play solid, get good shots for our guys, attack, don't be timid. Um, felt good, and I just felt like I was prepared, so it was fun.
4: How cool is that? It was Brad Davison talking about Walt McGrory and Walt McGrory talking about Walt McGrory. Welcome back to Lucas in the Morning with Big Bad John. Last night, Davison was sharp from start to finish. 24 points for Brad, 7 of 8 from the field, 3 of 4 from beyond the arc. 7-7 seven of seven from the free throw line. He threw in three rebounds. Man, he was good last night when they needed him to be good. Yeah. Uh, during the break, you told me, because we brought this whole, this whole era of scout team. What, what's a scout team? And, and Walt McGrory has been a scout team player for the first two seasons here at Wisconsin. Your brother played scout team, huh?
3: Yep. Uh, for Division three Carroll University in Waukesha. He was scout team for all four years there. It
4: takes a special dedication. Yeah. Really does. Uh, Because you get yelled at a lot. If you don't give a good look to the starters, then they're not getting prepared for the next game. Right. That's your only job is to make sure you give them a good look. You challenge them. Right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And there's no
4: guarantees that most, like I said, most Scout teamers are walk ons. There's no guarantee that you're going to go on scholarship in a program like Wisconsin. Right. You know, maybe by the time you graduate. Now, there's no guarantee you're going to get in a game like Walt McGrory did last night. Exactly. So you have to be. There's has, has to be something driving you. Just com- competitive juices have to. You know why? You, why would you come to a school like this and then go to a, you know, be a walk on, right? And just beat your head against the wall every day for the sake of the team because that's why you do it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Of the team and the he, camaraderie.
3: Yeah, the camaraderie. I mean, that was the big thing for my brother was. You know, because D3, there's no scholarship. So even if he gets to play sure. on the team, you're just playing to play. But the camaraderie with the team is, is huge as well.
4: Did you see any of the Marquette game last night?
3: Uh, got home, watched the second half. Yeah. Crazy. The, the man. good half. I got, well, got yeah, home yeah, watched a were, good half.
4: There were two halves. Uh, since you lived in the Milwaukee area, were you a Marquette fan? You uh, Yeah. Say. Big Marquette yes? fan. Yeah. All right. Um, Golden Eagles were down by 18 points. Like with 159 remaining in the first half, it was 38 to 20. And then Kobe McEwen hit a three just before the end of the half, and a totally different second half against Purdue. Now, I didn't think Purdue would have that type of epic meltdown, but sure enough, the Boilermakers did. Purdue scored 17 points in the second half, five of 25 from the field. and uh, Boilers didn't score a field goal in the last six minutes. Yeah. Goodness. So that's a strong, strong win for Marquette. Come back and beat Purdue 65-55. This Kobe McEwen was impressive. Transfer from Utah State scored eighteen of his game high twenty three points after halftime. Marcus Howard, we all know how good he is. He had eighteen points, six to twelve from the floor. And on Sunday, there is always something special when Marquette plays Wisconsin. That game will tip off at noon at the Kohl Center. Uh, On paper, Marquette's got to be the favorite team. I'd imagine, yeah. Even though losing the Hausers, blah 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 blah. It it looks right now. It looks like it's got a strong contingent. core group. Let me put it there. It looks like it's got a good core group. Don't know how good it'll be in the Big East. I know Wojo was asked a little bit about what he saw last night. Let's go with uh still room to improve and it was some kind of a comeback from Wojo.
6: All right. I think we can play better. Some of that's the fact that Purdue's really good. But, you know, we're you know we're a work in progress I and mean, we can we can get a lot better. But to, to grind out a game where um, you know, you win like that is is very good coming second game of the year. No, a 28-point swing in a game is a huge swing, and it takes character to do that. I thought our players and, uh, and team and program show great character against uh, against an outstanding program.
4: That is pretty, uh, pretty significant. 28 points is what uh, they made up the difference between falling behind as they did 38 20 to winning 65 to 55. Yeah. That's got to be a big confidence booster at this time of the year because everything is still undecided as far as a team's personality. Kind of grow into that? Kind of grow into that a little bit? What did he have to say about McEwen? I'm curious. I think we got, um, or maybe it's McEwen that is talking about everyone on the team can score. Is that Kobe McEwen? Yeah, that is McEwen. Uh, oh, and that, okay, let's go this way.
2: Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
4: Looking to score, and the McEwen on everyone on this team can score. Got Let's it. listen.
6: He's got the mindset of being a distributor. And while that's a good quality to have, you know, trying to set other people up, you can't forget your strengths. So one of the things that we asked him to do after the first half was to be more aggressive, because we need him. You know, he can score.
0: We have good guys on this team.
6: We got guys who are really skilled and really good basketball players, and you know, we could be a really balanced basketball team, uh, scoring wise. So um, that's what we strive to do every day.
4: All right. So that was Wojo, and that was Kobe McEwen. Uh, Sunday noon at the Kohl Center, Wisconsin Marquette. We're going to talk a lot more. Uh, about that matchup. We have Jim Posey from the Wisconsin State Journal joining us at 7.15. And I want to talk to Jim about Wisconsin's recruiting class specifically because ESPN, or one of the recruiting surveys, has the Badgers ranked number seven in the country. In the country. A few other other rating um, services have the Badgers number two in the Big Ten behind Michigan only. Oh, wow. So this is kind of a big deal that uh, Wisconsin would strike with such a big class, which always helps in the eyes of recruiting analysts, the more players the better as far as their evaluation. And this is definitely a big class and a very important one. So we'll talk with Jim Poseen at 7.15 about that. 7.30, we're going to get an inside look at the Cornhuskers, Nebraska Cornhuskers. Andy Kendi works for a television station in Omaha, worked in Milwaukee, worked here in Madison as a sportscaster. So we'll talk with Andy at 7.30, and then at 7.45 in his normal time slot, Jeff Patricus from the Milwaukee Journal Center. We'll ask Jeff to kind of share his opinions on both Badger basketball and Badger football. So all of that coming up along with Brian Posick at the top of the hour. That's your lineup. We'll come back with more right after this on Lucas in the Morning.
2: Welcome to...
7: Yeah, well we're all tired of it. Um, you know, not to take anything away from anybody else. There's several games this year that uh, if we just didn't make some mistakes, uh, the, the outcome could have been different and I think everybody sees that. Um, you know, I, I wish the team just had a little more conviction to get it done at times and I uh, wish we would uh, get to a point where some of those mistakes aren't happening and we're addressing them, we're teaching them. Um, the, the guys the guys are, are tired of the little mistakes here and there. And uh, part of that's having a young team in a lot of places, and that's cost us some. Uh, but part of it's just a mindset to do, the, do jobs perfectly. And we got to continue to be better as coaches to make sure that happens, and, and the players uh, got to help us with it.
4: That's pretty fresh. That was Scott Frost being honest about his situation at Nebraska in year two. Welcome back to Lucas in the Morning with Big Bad John on the board. Scott Frost is 8-13, and 13, and that's not good enough for most people in Lincoln or the state of Nebraska. I mean, a lot of little problems have cropped up. There seems to be somewhat of a division, maybe even in the locker room, from players who haven't totally bought into Frost. We'll explore that a little bit more with Andy Kendi, as I just said, uh, who works for a television station in Omaha and covers the Huskers, so he can give us more of the insider's look at what is really going on with the program. I'm scared to death of this matchup. Uh, given that the Huskers have had that extra week to prepare, given that Adrian Martinez has had that extra week to get healthy. He has not been at 100%. I Had a problem with his left knee. Uh, I I know what he can do. They'll spread the field like they did here at Camp Randall last year, and they'll move the chains. Uh, They'll create running seams that that only – has probably gone to waste because they don't have the same type of tailbacks that they've had in the past, and that's one thing that he's going to have to address in recruiting. Uh, his lead running back was suspended from the team, and that's, that's hurt him. Uh, but it was a very interesting story on ESPN.com from a Hallie Grossman on Nebraska, uh, Nebraska football. Um, she kind of addressed the elephant in the room is that is Nebraska football dropped off too far, are gone so far off that side that not even Scott Frost can fix it, which is amazing. I mean, this is only his second season. And he hasn't completed that. So let's listen to a couple of cups. Let's, cuts from, uh, from Hallie Grossman. She was the writer. It's a, a major story on the Cornhuskers. Um, play cut number one.
8: Even if all goes right in the Scott Frost era, mm-hmm. and obviously to date it hasn't, but even if it gets turned around, and even then... It won't be 1994 again. It won't be 1997 again. He said, those days are over. That's done. People don't like to hear it, but that's the truth.
4: What is the truth? I mean, too often in the past when we've made that trip to Lincoln, people have had a problem letting go of the past. I mean, Tom Osborne is not coaching that team anymore, even though he makes uh, a, a regular appearance during game days and it shows up at practice twice a week. You know, pops in, yep. checks out things. I mean, that's, you got to keep moving forward. Uh, there are There's a group of people in Lincoln still pissed off. They got rid of Bo Pelini because Pelini <laughs> won games. Yeah. He just didn't, to some, win enough. Right. Didn't win enough. Mike Riley was a disaster. That didn't work out well. So a lot of pressure on Scott Frost. You said you have some friends in the state of Nebraska?
3: Yeah, I, I have family that live in well, Omaha. So
4: you know how important it is. It, yeah. It's a, passion. There's nothing else in the st- who else do you root for in that state?
3: Uh I mean It's the
4: Huskers football team. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Team. I mean, I was there a couple of years ago, um, over the weekend when they played uh, Iowa, obviously a big right. game for them, and Iowa crushed them and and you just kind of felt the air go out of the state almost. Like they were just like this again, really.
4: Their loyal fan base on Saturday when the Badgers show up, it'll mark 374 consecutive sellouts. That is 374 Consecutive sellouts, dating back to 1962. So this is the 57th year That's that they've sold out that stadium. I mean, through thick and thin. Yeah, that that is incredible. And it's, it's one of the louder venues I've ever been in. When when they get a little momentum, when they get the crowd on their side, especially early in a game. Yeah, it can be a little bit intimidating, especially for a first year player or rather a first year starter like Jack Cohen. I mean now when I say first-year starter, full-time, first-year right. full-time starter, then he's going to have to deal with the, the decibel levels at times, I'm sure, on Saturday. Now, this Hallie Grossman, the writer, um, came She cut to the chase, really, is what she, essentially she did as far as can Scott – if, if I mean, Scott Frost is the chosen one, right? Yes, he, is. he, he really is. quarterback for Osborne. Um, and people have been genuinely excited by his return to Lincoln, and understandably so, uh, but she kind of here – Uh, expresses the question, if Scott Frost can't fix Nebraska, uh, can it be fixed? Let's listen.
8: And, you know, I think that just comes from a real sense from former Nebraska players, from people around the program, from the fan base itself, that we're really rapidly approaching this clip for Nebraska football, that if this person, Scott Frost, can't get this program fixed, then maybe the program's just not fixable. And if he can't do it soon, then just maybe it can't be done.
4: Wow. Yeah, That surprises me a little bit. I mean, this is one person's opinion more so than anything else, though she did qualify that saying she's talked with alums and various others about what ails Nebraska football. Like I said, this to me is a very dangerous game. and It's not a trap game because Nebraska is not like BYU from a year ago. This has still got some really good players on both sides of the ball. Right. And their pride's been hurt. I mean, they were picked, most of the pundits – picked nebraska to win the west and it hasn't panned out that way so now they're in a fight for bowl eligibility yeah which seems ridiculous that nebraska would be concerned about bowl eligibility late this late in the season in november but that's the reality of it all
3: yeah and when a team's motivated like that you know against anybody it's going to be a a tough
4: matchup it's going to come down to one thing can they tackle jonathan taylor they haven't been able to tackle jonathan taylor the previous two years he's Collected like 470 yards against them. Yeah. Uh, five touchdowns. Hasn't lost a yard running against them. And you know what they're going to be doing? They'll be stacking the box, trying to take away JT from the offense. And then it's going to be incumbent on Jack Cohen, getting the ball downfield. He's got to be able to push the down, ball downfield. Because I think it's going to be a high-scoring game on Saturday. I wouldn't be surprised. I just feel right now. We'll talk more about the Huskers from the perspective of someone who covers Nebraska football. Andy Kendi will join us at 7.30 right here on Lucas in the Morning.
9: The interesting thing is as we move forward is Alabama. Uh, if Georgia eventually loses, whether it's to Auburn or it's the SEC championship game, those are two big hurdles. Mm-hmm. What happens to Alabama? Do they move up or is there a little bit of a ceiling and teams behind them potentially going up and over them?
4: ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet talking about Bama and where the tide might wind up with the college football playoff rankings. So it's LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Forest, Georgia, Eh, precarious for Georgia. Bama's looming. What do you do with Oregon? Utah. Yeah. What do you do with Oklahoma Baylor? Nobody wants Baylor, do they? No. Nobody, nobody. wants the Big Twelve. A lot of people don't want the Pac twelve either. Yeah. And what happens with the Big Ten? Is it just a lock that Ohio State's gonna be there? Most likely. Yeah. Chase Young will not play against Rutgers. Boo hoo. <laughs> He will be ready to go against Penn State. Yeah. That has been determined. Yep. I mean, but Herb Street makes pretty good point that everyone's a little bit uncertain right now on how Alabama will be treated by the committee itself. Yeah. I watched the game. I went looked at the replay of that game, and I wasn't overly impressed with Bama. Now Tua was not a hundred percent, and I guess you got to factor into that into your thinking because he wasn't at a hundred percent. He couldn't do some of the things he normally does. Right. I, I I want some new blood. I want some fresh meat. Yeah, and you know the and they, it's got to be deserved. But yeah,
3: and I, and I think there are teams that probably do deserve it. I think Oregon, it, at this point, has done enough to deserve it. If Georgia were to lose,
4: well, how, what would you say the same about Utah? If Utah wins the Pac-12?
3: Yeah, I I kind of I kind of think it's time for a Pac-12 team to make it in. So if it's Oregon or if it's Utah, whoever wins the Pac-12 is only going to have one loss, I believe. So, if they make it in.
4: I think the Big 12 is in jeopardy of not getting a team in. Yeah. Because we got Baylor OU this right, and week. No, right? but, and, yeah. And Baylor, people don't want Baylor. They don't. They just haven't bought into Baylor yet. And, and he's done a heck of a job, man. What a great coaching job. Yeah. Um, and Oklahoma, I think, is kind of old blood. Yeah. We'll see. Everything will play itself out, uh, as it will for Colin Kaepernick. Most people now are just thinking this is just a rouge on Saturday, this tryout. Why would you hold a tryout on a Saturday before a big slate of games on Sunday? That's, I'm sure, something to do with litigation. Uh, One side's lawyers versus the other side's lawyers and what you have to do in terms of building your case one way or another. Stephen A. Smith addressed Colin Kaepernick yesterday for ESPN.
5: Uh, For me personally, believe it or not, I I think... Um, there's several, but I think the Chicago Bears. I think the Chicago Bears desperately need another quarterback. They're desperately looking for another quarterback. They can try to hide it all they want to. They've lost belief. Nagy doesn't believe in Mitchell Trubisky anymore. Nobody in chi Town believes in Mitchell Trubisky any longer.
4: Well, I mean, that's. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Nobody believes in Trubisky. Well, I don't see Kaepernick as a bear. I don't see Kaepernick going. With anybody, to be honest, no, and like you
3: said, scheduling it on Saturday when the NFL knows full well that the people who would be going to this thing are traveling. Yeah, of course he does. Dummy, Eric Reed, his former teammate, said the same thing. He knows that the people who'd make that decision are traveling with their team on Saturday. So if I mean, as much as I would enjoy seeing Kaepernick on the Bears, I think that would be a lot of fun. I, you know, I don't see it happening.
4: I mean, the team that would make sense, really, the team that would make sense. Would be the Ravens. You think? Yeah, because his former coordinator is now the coordinator for Lamar Jackson, Greg mm. Roman. So there's there's some compatibility there, especially with what the Ravens are doing offensively. They wouldn't have to change their system to accommodate Colin Kaepernick and his strengths, whatever his strengths are. Right. 3 years later.
3: Yeah. Correct? Which we don't know.
4: Yeah, it's- but that the owner vetoed that like last year or the year before the Ravens owner so I don't know if they'd be more ex- accepting of of Kaepernick now. I don't th- again, I, I don't think he's gonna play for anybody. Yeah. Th- at, this, at this is point, all about lawyers, yeah. litigation. That's what for both sides, for the league, for the union, for Kaepernick. But it, it is kind of like fantasy football. When you get Stephen A. Well, how about the Bears? They need a quarterback. You can yeah. do that with a lot of friends. You could
3: name right I mean now. The Dolphins looking for a quarterback, right? Sure they are.
4: Sure they are. Uh second hour of the show. We're gonna talk with Jim Posey, Wisconsin State Journal, 7 to 15. We'll get a look at Wisconsin's recruiting class in basketball. Why is it ranked in the top 10 or at least the top 20 by most recruiting analysts? 7.30, we'll go to Omaha, Nebraska and talk to Andy Candy. We'll tell us about the Huskers. 7.45, Jeff Petrikas joins us here. Top of the hour, Brian Bosick. All of that much more on Lucas in the Morning.
5: Okay, patrons, it's time to grab a little slice of cake and put on that party hat because it's Birthdays Dead or Alive.
4: You saw it, it's your birthday. Here's
5: Uncle Lukey.
4: Thank you very much, Eddie Gaga. Let's start with a little sticks. James Young, 71 years old. 71? I'm not sure he's still with us or not. Doesn't matter. Birthdays Dead or Alive. You know the gig. Turn that up a little bit. Okay. Bo Allen, 28 years old today. Always liked watching Bo Allen play football for the Badgers. He was a seventh-round draft pick, like 224 overall in 2014. Uh, Played for the Eagles for four years. Got a Super Bowl ring with Philly. And then signed a three-year, $15 million contract with Tampa Bay. Guaranteed 7.2. So he's making around $5 million a year to be a nose tackle. Sure. Ain't bad. Not bad at all. Ain't bad living whatsoever. Uh, Kurt Schilling. 53 years old today. Don't know if Schelling will ever get into the Hall of Fame. Too many people hate him. Yeah. 216 wins. 22-6 in 2001. 21-6 and six in 2004. Played for a lot of different teams. Just a little bit of a different guy. Yeah. A little different. A little edgy. Which is okay. I like athletes who are edgy. But this guy crosses the line on some stuff. Crosses the line on some stuff. Run DMC. Reverend Run. 55.
5: There we go.
4: All right, Jack Sigma, 64 years old today. Uh, one of the things that Wisconsin started doing with Bo Ryan was they named some of their their moves, their power moves after NBA players just for the sake of identification and instant recognition. So sure. when you were at a practice, you might hear one of the coaches call out, Use the Sigma. The Sigma is a reverse pivot where you open up to the basket. Oh. All right? Because that's what he was famous for. So if I yelled at you, use the Moses, that would be after Moses Malone. Yeah. That'd be a drop step power move, shoulders square to the backboard. Or I could say, the Dominique. Look, he just used the Dominique. Who am I talking about? Wilkins? Yeah, an up and under move. You know, he would use shot fakes to get people up in the air. Out of position. And then if help arrived, he would cross over with a step. Um, the Bernie, Bernie King, you probably have no idea who Bernie King was. He's one of the. For the perf- Knicks, right? He was really a good score. G- you know, New Jersey, Utah, Golden State, Knicks, Washington. Yeah. That's a shoulder fake one way, turn the other way. And then the McHale, Kevin McHale, right? Yeah. What's that? What's he no- most noted for? You uh, just saw me do it with my motion. Oh, like, just a, like an- Jump hook. It. Oh, jump hook. Okay. Yeah. So that's what- they. Judy
0: was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumpacasino.com.
10: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
10: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000 mile powertrain and five-year, 60,000 mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
4: Call out those things or you'll hear them in conversation. Yeah, I used a Dominique or the Sigma. And I, 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 do you identify with that, a reverse pivot, where you open up to the basket? If I said that to you, would you think Jack Sigma? I will now. You will now? I should. All right, historical footnote November 14th, 1970, Santana released this song. This song. Definitely turn it up. One last birthday. Kyle Orton, excuse me, Kyle Orton is 37 today. I mean, the the fortunes of two programs changed dramatically in 2004 when it was a top 10 battle between Purdue and Wisconsin and West Lafayette. Closing seconds of the game was like a third and three, about two minutes and a half left, and Orton's trying to run out the clock. He gets hit by Robert Brooks, fumbles the ball. Scott Starks picks it up, scoop and score. The Badgers hold on for a win 20 to 17. Programs went opposite directions from that point yeah. forward. Purdue has never recovered from one play. Kyle Orton was kind of a journeyman, averaged above average, maybe below average quarterback in the NFL, 42 and 40 record as a pro. When we come back, we'll be joined by Brian Posick right here on Lucas in the Morning. Don't turn your-
0: morning patrons
1: good
3: morning good,
2: good morning. morning
1: oh what a beautiful morning this is lucas in the morning
3: i'm from the old school i got a street knowledge you know what i mean you know what i'm saying
1: the show where the hot topics get
6: doused with a bucket of cold water now, that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard
1: <laughs> fasten your seatbelts and get ready for a radio ride <laughs> ladies and gentlemen here's Mike Lucas.
4: John Adius is on assignment. He's got a fairly big volleyball matchup tonight in the Twin Cities. Minneapolis, Gophers, Badgers. In his place, we have Big Bad John. Big Bad John. Yes, we do. It's your music, man. Oh, you want me to do it every time? Yes. All right,
3: hold on. I'll grab it. That's I'll the grab way it, it. works. Hit All it. Right. Hit it. Hit it. All right, here we Hit go. Hit it. John.
4: There it is. Big John. Oh, That's enough. Oh Okay. Uh, in case you were wondering, Jacob Degrom now has won back-to-back Cy Youngs with a record of twenty-one seventeen over the last two seasons combined. Back-to-back Cy Youngs for Jacob Degrom. Crazy twenty-one and seventeen. However, I mean he's been really good. He's completed at least seven innings in nineteen of his thirty-two starts. And that's why he's the Cy Young Award winner. Brian Posick joins us now.
1: I think how many games
4: he'd win if the Mets were any good. Yeah, no, really. <laughs> All right. But th- it doesn't Here's that, a, it really yeah. stands out. A guy's 21 and 17. Yeah. Back to back Cy Youngs.
1: Right, right. 255 Ks. And Crazy. Justin Verlander wins yeah. his second.
4: Oldest pitcher to win the Cy Young Award since? Oh, boy. Since? <sighs> Steve Carlton. Um, I don't know. That's not a bad guess. Roger Clemens, who was 42 oh. years old in 2004. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He was juicing then, wasn't he? Of course he was. <laughs> okay. Yeah, of yeah, probably he was. Yeah. I mean, he, the tough thing yeah, in the in the American League uh, was how do you choose between Verlander and Garrett Cole? Garrett Cole, Cole right. Yeah. yeah. So they split all the votes. Uh, Verlander had 17 and 30 first-place votes, and 13 went to Cole. Hmm. Right. And look at their records. Verlander's 21 and 6. Cole is 20 and 5.
2: Right. And Cole yeah. had,
4: what, 300-plus strikeouts?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would have given it to Cole. I think I would have, too. Yeah. yeah but I mean, either was, or, I mean, he, it's, it's what, a win-win. 20 straight games without a loss. Yeah, it's like a win-win. Win-win.
4: Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, the Badger hockey team could yeah. use a win-win this weekend. A couple of wins would be nice, yeah. Wisconsin
1: 0-2 in the Big Ten, and Notre Dame's 3-0-1 has 10 points already, and Wisconsin none. So... Big series uh, this weekend, tomorrow and Saturday Any shake-up at all? You you're, you're yeah, practice. I mean, um, yeah, they, they've uh, mixed up their lines a little bit. They're just trying to, to get more traffic to the net, score some more goals. You know, they scored five uh, on Friday night in Omaha, but two were empty netters, and then they only scored two on, on Saturday. And their power play is two for their last 29 or something like that. And Notre, think, Dame, Notre Dame's only given up one power play goal in 24-25 chances against. So power play should be, I mean, with the skill that they yeah, have. Yeah, I was going to bring right, that up, but I should Caulfield know better. Caulfield and Turkout and Weisbach and, and Wyatt Kalnuck and Keandre Miller, they should
4: be more productive on just the power seems, play, but they haven't been. It just seems tougher nowadays to score in the power play. Is that oh, yeah. PK oh, units are better? Very much so.
1: And, and they're pressuring the shooters. I mean, the, 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 the play that they're trying to set up is Caulfield in the left wing because he's just got a howitzer. But um, but teams are taking that away. So, now they're floating a little bit and moving Caulfield around to try to get him in position to get the puck and score. So, um, yeah, it's uh, – and, and you know, goaltending the edge goes to Notre Dame. Cale Morris was the Big Ten's player of the year two years ago. He's got a career 9.36 save percentage. I can't recall. Is what, a junior? He's a senior now. But, I mean, a junior – did he, he come hmm.
4: out of the junior ranks? Yeah, yeah. I
1: can't, I can't remember if it was Tri-City or something okay. like that. Yeah, so – um, but no, I mean, he's he's been very very good, and he you know he gave up only three goals last weekend in a sweep of Ohio State. So they're a tough team to score against, and and if you make a mistake, they'll pounce on you, and and they're scoring more than they have typically. Jeff Jackson's teams are, are usually pretty defensive oriented.
4: The Undertaker,
1: <clears throat> right? Yeah, former Lake State head coach. Oh yeah. Two national oh, yeah. titles in '92 oh, yeah. and '94. We've been got, there 15 years. Notre we got up close and personal before. with him in oh, Albany. Yeah. Yeah, right, everybody did. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame's been the Frozen Four each of the last two years. I mean, he's That's done a, good a job, very man. nice job with that. i always,
4: I mean, when I first started covering Badger hockey, yeah, the rivalry was, one of the rivalries was with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And, used to, and right. so many people used to make the drive down to South Bend. Yeah,
1: and they play in that. Just, yeah, that, that rinky-dinky rink, right, half actually, of a building. They shared the right, building. It was the intramural building. Yeah, right? yeah. And they, so there's basketball going on, tennis going on, and here's a rink that's not regulation in one size quarter, yes. in one corner of the building with grandstands that they folded up and down, right? Yes. Right? And there were cracks underneath the Zamboni door where the pucks could actually slide underneath. And it's supposed to be 200 feet long, and it wasn't. It was about 190. No. It's supposed to be 85 at least feet wide, and and it was. It was closer to 80. It was just this tiny little rink in the it's middle funny, of an bumped, intramural
4: gymnasium. I bumped into somebody uh, like the last week. He said, hey, I used to go to all those Wisconsin-Notre Dame hockey series in South Bend. Oh, whoa, yeah. whoa.
1: Well, their rink now is 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 beautiful. Is it? It's got a bowl all the way around. Yeah, it's very,
4: very Well, rich. rightly so. No, they, yeah. Got they got some had, cash.
1: Exactly. And they, Yeah, they finally you know, invested in the hockey program, which has been very good over the last 15 years. One of my years.
4: favorite Irish players of all mm. time. Yes. Eddie Bumbaco. Eddie Bumbaco. <laughs> right? What a great name <laughs> oh, yeah. for hockey. Oh, yeah. There's he kid, was a f- high-flying winger.
1: There's a kid named Michael Graham last year when Notre Dame came to Madison. He had one goal in the first eight, ten games or something like that, and he scored four against the Badgers in the series. Yeah, He ended up scoring six in the first three games against them and finished with 12 or something like that. They've, they're they're a good club. It, it, it'll be fun. You know, they wear their bright, shiny gold helmets, oh, That too. stands out. Notre Dame, man. It's Notre Dame, so puck drops tomorrow and Saturday night. So this is a
4: this is a meaningful series early, it's still oh, relatively so. early in well, the year. There's
1: no question. Then they go to Minnesota, and then they're back oh. home for Michigan, and then on the road against Michigan State. I mean, again, you're 10 points out of first place. I know you've only played two games. You played 24 league games, but you can't uh, you can't fall behind too much further. You want to finish in the top four for home ice in the first round of the playoffs. So
4: at this point, at this stage, who's the best team in the? Conference well, Notre Dame, but even Notre Dame. Sometimes yeah, the record can be deceiving. Yeah, you know,
1: well, it, it can be. Uh, Penn State, I think, can be the best team. That's the team that coaches pick to win the league. Uh, they can they can outscore you two to one. I mean, like ten to five. I mean, two to one, right? Um, but they, you know, they've been shut out twice at home already this season, that hadn't happened in you know, since they became a best case scenario
4: program. for Wisconsin. Where they finish?
1: Uh, well, the best case would be fourth. You know, so you can get home ice for the first round of the playoffs. That's what you're shooting for. You right. know, but fans are shooting for higher. They you know, they want they want to win but the conference obviously. Too. Right, but when you got Notre Dame, Ohio State only gets better as the year goes along and Penn State's really, really good. Wisconsin should finish in the top four and get to the NCAA tournament for the first time in six years. They should. Uh but <laughs> they gotta start playing better. I
4: saw this story. Together. Todd wrote a story <laughs> this week about the third period where Yeah, they haven't scored
1: ten and one in the last uh, How six do you ex- how do you explain that? Uh, I, Teams are turning it up, and Wisconsin gets too individualistic when they're behind, and they're two and four in those six teams. So that's the thing: got to play as one man. Got it? Got to be together. Got to well, be I hear a unit, you. right? I hear you. So yeah, I actually had a chance to talk to Michael Lacrone yesterday. There's a documentary coming out from uh, Wisconsin Public Television really? about Mike LaCrone, the UW band wow. director, called Wisconsin Showman, and we discuss um, uh, his relationship with Bob Johnson and uh, who wanted the band at hockey games. Absolutely. And uh, Mike took his band there, and it became a staple ever since. And so that, that uh, documentary airs on November 26th on cool. PBS. And we'll actually have an interview with Mike LeCrone uh, next Tuesday night on the Wisconsin Hockey When games, I
4: think sir. back to the – this is like an old hack flashback. I don't think yeah. Big Bad John knows where that sounder is. I, don't, but let see is if I can like find this is like an old it. hack flashback. <laughs> the, the, the key ingredients to the success of hockey in the early 70s, right, when yeah. Badger Bob came in uh the band yep. was very important mm-hmm. uh- Phil Mendel Phil was Mendo. very yeah, important. as yes. Yep, he was fantastic. Yes. Yep. Um, the chief who drove the Zamboni, <laughs> Bob <laughs> Marks. Sure. Right? Sure. right. I think that guys, was, yeah. yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the Banshees, the fans themselves. The fans were crazy. Uh, and all
1: the uh, banners, right? You know, you, Butters they is would rancid. Li- yeah, they know, would line up yes.
4: before the game, yeah. like an hour before the game, and just charge into the Coliseum yeah. to get seats, the primo seats. Yeah. Which were on the plexiglass, where right. they could lean over the plexiglass and taunt, and the, taunt opponent. the opponent. opposing That all factored into, along with and the, fact the, the recruiting, team was very good. right? The very recruiting, Damn, looking Bob recruiting Johnson. Well. Oh
1: yeah, they did a pretty nice job.
4: All Great right, players. thanks, Brian. Sure. Appreciate it. When sure. we come back, we'll talk with Jim Polzian about Wisconsin's recruiting in basketball, top ten class. We'll talk about it with Jim next on Lucas in the Morning.
7: We all kind of had to take an extra step, be more sort of on both ends of the floor. I mean, you know, we had some new and improved lineups out there that we, you know, kind of had to just ride with the waves. But yeah, I think everyone saw that opportunity we had to step up a little bit, pick up some of that slack with the guys on the bench.
4: That would be Brad Davison, who had 26 points, 24 points, make that last night, seven of eight from the field in Wisconsin's victory over McNeese State. Welcome back, Lucas, to the morning. Big bag, John, on the board, joining us now from the Wisconsin State Journal, Jim and Good morning, Jim. How are you?
8: I'm great, Mike. You scared me. I thought Davidson had 26 points, and I got it wrong. In my no, story, so
4: I got it, it wrong. Thanks for the early morning scare. I got it oh, wrong. Okay. I wanted to give him an extra basket. How about Walt McGrory in the first half scoring yeah. nine points? Had everyone was scurrying for their fact book to see how much he had played and scored during his 22 career games previously.
8: Yeah, you know, he. we were at practice Monday. They let us in, and, and he got some run with the first team. And Patrikus and I kind of looked at each other like, whoa. Um and I thought he did a really good job. You know, he didn't look out of place there. No, he I didn't. In a lot of ways, no, he, he he moved around well. I think the offense needed clearly something, to, to, a spark of some sort. And I thought Walt provided that at a, at a pretty good time and kind of kept them in that game because they weren't really playing well on either end of the court during that first half and needed something. And I thought, you know, Walt, for a guy who hasn't played a ton at all during his career, he gave them something.
4: He did. All right, so break down this recruiting class. Uh, has it been rated as high as number seven in the nation? Is that right? Yeah. You know, I, I don't get
8: big into rankings. Like when, when last year's class, which was a one-man class, that Tyler Wall was ranked last in the Big Ten, I didn't make a big deal of it. I don't make a big deal of this one being ranked high. I think numbers sometimes has something to do with that, um, just the fact that it's a five-man class. But it doesn't take away from, from you know, how impressive it is. They, For the most part, um, they identified those kids pretty early in their careers, and so you know they're getting their their top choices in a lot of cases. I mean, they've, Ben Carlson said in Greg Gard's office when he was a freshman, they watched the Davis twins play um, as freshmen when Kobe King was still at La Crosse Central, Uh you know, Lauren Bowman committed as a junior, so they they knew him pretty early on. So, you know, I, I think recruiting classes are are not easy to fill. Five man recruiting classes make it even more challenging, and I think. You know, for like I said, for the most part, they got kids that they identified pretty early, that they offered pretty early. Um, so you know, there are "quote unquote" Plan A guys for the most part.
4: Well, they definitely dealt with numbers because it's like five tendered players and then one preferred walk-on, right? With uh, Carter Gilmore.
8: Yeah, and he can't be, you know, like Wisconsin can't announce him in this class because there's a rule that basically they can't talk about him until, I believe, it's until he. Um, okay pays enrollment or something so that you know so they're not really talking about him but he is very much an important part of this class i mean i think anytime you can get a kid that's got division one offers as a preferred walk-on who can help down the road um that's big and and they'll they'll make a bigger there'll be a bigger hoopla about him in the spring when they can formally announce him but um but yeah he's very much to be considered part
4: of this this six-man class so is carlson the centerpiece I
8: think so. I mean, I think you make a case for Johnny Davis, too. You know, he's a guy that had really good offers. Um, Carlson was just kind of the final touch, the guy that they've probably been recruiting the longest, the guy that had, you know, probably the best offers of the group. Um, it really fits what they want to do in, in terms of a guy that can play inside and out. And, um, but I think it's just a nice, balanced class. I mean, it's, it was an important class because they're going to be replacing a bunch of the guys that are now juniors, the, um, you know, Davis and Reavers, Potter, Ford, uh, Trice. Those guys are going to be out the door in, in, in two seasons. So this class can come in next year, kind of serve as apprentices, and in some cases I think some of them will probably help in the rotation, um, but that don't necessarily have to be leaders. Uh, and then in two years, you know, that, that should make the transition that much more seamless that those guys have had a year under their belt. So I think if you look at position for position, it's, it's, it's a nice little, you know, matchup of guys that can fill in once those, those
4: older guys are gone. Jim, do they have a more typical point guard in this group?
8: Yeah, I think Lauren Bowman um really fits what they want to do. Uh, I, I like him. I like him a lot. I, I think he's a, a two way player. Um uh, probably needs to improve his shot a little bit more, but I, I think he's kind of a more natural point guard um, you know, than, than they have right now. And and I, I think he's I think he's gonna be a nice fit here. Um they identified him pretty early, actually all over over to watch Taylor Curry, former major player Taylor Curry play a high school game sure. and they were playing Bowman's team. And, you know, Bowman scored a lot of points that night, but but Oliver said that the thing that really stood out was um, just his composure. never got too up, never got too down, just kind of ran the offense and, and was just solid, and, and, and that caught Oliver's eye. At that point, Bowman was just kind of a name on a sheet to Oliver, and, and that really got his eye, and, and, and that recruiting took off from there.
4: What's your expectation for Sunday's matchup with Marquette? The Golden Eagles really look good in the second half against Purdue.
8: Yeah, played some defense. I mean that that was the thing that jumped out is Marquette has really struggled defensively over the years but, but was really was really, really good on that end of the court um during the second half against Purdue. Um it might be one of those first to forty games, just judging on, on kind of how both teams have struggled to score the ball. So, you know, I think it's I think it's gonna be a close, hard fought game. I think Wisconsin you know, it's not a must win at this point of the season. That's kinda of silly to say, but they've already, you know, wasted one opportunity against uh a really high quality opponent. You don't want to waste another. You want to. You don't want to get one under your belt. And so, I think it's going to be a pretty intense game. And you know, I'm looking forward to it.
4: But I, by the sounds of it, too, that Kobe King will be available on Sunday.
8: Yeah, I mean, I was just was just my own observations. I was watching him move around a little bit. Uh, the team came out for pregame. more. I was, he was he was rebounding for guys, and you know, didn't he's not wearing a, a protective boot, which is always a pretty good sign, right? I mean, usually if it's, it's something that they're worried about, they put him in a boot. Uh, he wasn't wearing a boot, and I thought he was moving around pretty well. I think it was. My guess is just precaution. And it had it been a different opponent last night, he could have played.
4: Good enough. Appreciate joining us this morning. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. When we come back, take a look at the Cornhuskers through the eyes of an Omaha sportscaster. Andy Candy joins us next on Lucas in the Morning.
5: Play me like everybody else. If I you to my back, could you manage
2: that? <laughs>
7: We need to get to a program where we can give them a run and and compete with them because they've been consistently probably the best team in our half uh, for quite a few years, so hats off to them and credit to where they are as a program. Um, You know, They're going to probably have a target on their back a little bit from every Big Ten West. Judy
0: was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
10: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
10: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
10: ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
7: Team for a while because they've been at the top.
4: That would be Nebraska coach Scott Frost talking about the Badgers. Welcome back to Lucas in the Morning. Joining me now from... Omaha ABC Seven, the sports director there. People will remember the name, will remember the face. Andy Kendi. Good morning, Andy. How you doing, Lukey? How are you, my friend? Good how are you hearing back out of Madison. Yeah, good hearing from you again. Uh, how, how are the Huskers Let's doing? How are the Huskers well, doing?
10: <laughs> it's been one of those years, Luke. We, we keep waiting for this team to to kind of turn the corner. It hasn't happened yet. Um, I think. Um, is an interesting deal where going into the season, I think locally, it doesn't happen often where local expectations were maybe a little lower than national expectations. But even locally, we didn't expect um, Nebraska to lose five of their first nine, including back-to-back losses to Indiana and Purdue. It, it's been one of the more puzzling seasons uh, I can remember covering a college football team.
4: Now, how much of a factor has the Adrian Martinez' injury had on just – the overall impact of this year?
10: I think it's been big, uh, probably bigger than we know, because that is one of the things that Scott Frost will not do is discuss injuries. So we don't know just how hurt he's been, but he certainly hasn't been himself. Last year he was he he really made a splash as a freshman. This year his, his completion percentage is down. Um, but I think more than that, I think the people who watched him this year as compared to last year – his decision making on when to pull it and when to throw it has been um a little more hesitant this year uh for whatever reason you know remarkably he's still the the huskers leading rusher uh with just under 400 yards but um it it's his unwillingness to to pull it down and run, that has been a little puzzling. When he has run it, he's, he's, he's been effective. I mean, that was the reason why they came back last week and, and really went, or two weeks ago when they went back and forth at Purdue, uh, which gives the coaching staff, I think, a little more optimism going into the, the Wisconsin game because uh, what we saw in the fourth quarter against Purdue, we haven't seen a whole lot of this year.
4: Andy, uh, has Maurice Washington been a distraction, and is he done with the program for now?
10: I think he has been a distraction no doubt. Um I think he is done. Personally, I think he's done. Scott Frost was asked about it on Monday in his news conference. He said he would get back to it address that situation after the season. So, at least for the final um three games he's he's not with the program. It's just been a a, a head scratcher with Washington. He's one of those guys, a little standoffish from the get-go. Uh true talent on the football field but has to clean up some stuff off the field and uh you can only wish the kid well, and and uh, but I don't I don't think you know I I think that the kudos to Scott Frost to try to help this kid, but you know as he said earlier the year that you can only help the kid so much before you throw up your hands and, and
2: and
4: and move on. I get it. We're talking with Andy Kendi from Omaha ABC Seven. Uh, is Wandell Robinson Rondell more light? <laughs>
10: We'd like to think so. Now, he's a question mark this, this week, Luke. He, I don't think he's practiced a whole lot this week. At least that's what we can tell, because we're not allowed to watch practice Sure, all. sure. Uh, you, you can only kind of read through the tea leaves. And uh, Troy Walters, the offensive coordinator, yesterday said he's a game-time decision. And that would be a really big hit for uh, Nebraska if they don't have Robinson, because he has been their most dynamic offensive playmaker, especially because he didn't do a whole lot in the first three weeks of the season. He really turned it on in that uh, comeback win at Illinois. Uh, which is uh, remarkably Nebraska's best win this year. Uh, but Wondell Robinson, when healthy, is is a difference maker, and he, he's going to be a headache for teams for years to come because the guy is is special. He's really not a big guy, he's just like Rondell Moore, as you mentioned, but they've run him between the tackles because he's their best option. That tells you uh, where the depth is on this Nebraska team.
4: Andy, I just got done reading a story, a very long story, on Huskers football on espn.com um and there the suggestion there is that not everybody has bought into Scott Frost and that's led to some division within the team itself can you address that at all yeah you know
10: it's a different deal here um with Scott Frost coming back he knew that um one of the biggest challenges was the was going to be to change the mindset of of Nebraska of the guys he had um and there's been some attrition, as with any coaching staff. But I think there continues to be attrition in year two um, because most of that stuff gets sifted out. We saw it with Barry Alvarez when he took over uh, in the early 90s in Madison. It just happened. And it takes a while for that foundation to get uh, laid and the expectations of what he expects from his players. And and Scott Frost is, is going to be hard on his players uh, and demanding. Uh, as much uh, off the field as he is on. And I, I think it, that is the one thing um, that has been perhaps the most uh, uh, prevailing challenge, I think, in year two for Scott Frost. is I don't think he, he believed it would take this long to get his guys in there. Now, you know, he's still turning over the roster. You know, he's got like uh, more than 100 players on his roster that are either freshman or sophomore. So it's gonna take some uh, a, a couple more recruiting classes to fully get this team his team but uh, I think he was surprised at uh, at some of the holes he had uh, both mentally and physically on this roster when he took over
4: a couple of more questions defensively have you seen improvement with the huskers and what do they got planned for JT Jonathan Taylor's rush for like oh, 400 boy. 470 yards in <laughs> two games against them
10: uh you know I'd love to say that I've seen improvement I' I'm, I'm, I I I don't know, Luke. When I, I watched Minnesota just shred this team, and they were saying uh, after it looked like they got pushed around, and after the fact they got um, Scott Frost has said, said that they did get pushed around, and then he backpedaled a little bit and said it was all run fits and getting moved side to side. I you know this is a team right now that is that is ranked twelfth in scoring defense and giving up you know more than, almost thirty points a game. Um, You know, they say if they can do their job, they they will be able to hold Jonathan Taylor in check. Uh, You know, I I don't I I shake my head. Jonathan Taylor is one of the best uh, in college football, and uh, with those big bodies up front, uh, I I I see a big day for number twenty three on Saturday. And uh, you know, and it's and it's funny because you know the the other thing that made big rounds this week, Luke, was that comment on monday about is this a rivalry in the trophy game and whatever and he said you know and, and I, quite honestly some people uh took offense to that here in nebraska and uh and i i didn't see i didn't see much of a reason to take offense i mean it isn't a rivalry until the other team wins and the other team hasn't won you know since 2012 so in my mind it's it's a one-sided affair right now and I think that trend will continue Saturday, to be honest with you. Well,
4: Nebraska's got bigger rivals than Wisconsin, right? I, I thought it was all forced to just come up with a trophy for this series. It didn't need a trophy.
10: Right, I agree with you. And, um, uh, But quite honestly, Luke, people here in Nebraska, it, it's they kind of look uh, longingly at Wisconsin because Wisconsin has turned into the program that Nebraska – people hope okay. their program okay. becomes again, you know, and especially because of the way they do it. You know, that game two years ago really kind of stood out to a lot of folks, and that was really a kind of a, a pivot point because, if you remember, that was, it was a tight game in, in Lincoln the last time they were there, and it got to the point where, where Paul Chris was like, what are we doing? Why are we passing the ball? And they ran it like 20 times, and everybody knew it in the stadium that they were going to run it. Uh, at, at at Nebraska and Nebraska couldn't stop them and that's what Nebraska used to do, um, you know. The people would joke that the, the Nebraska got out Nebraska by Wisconsin and sure. I think that sticks with with the folks here. And and, and I think right now, I the, the team that gets that, that gets Nebraska under their craw is Wisconsin because that's <laughs> that's who they they long to be.
4: I mean, I fully expect the Cornhuskers are going to deliver their best shot on Saturday, don't you?
10: Oh, no question. They still need two wins. They really want to get to that A-Bowl uh, game. they got to beat either Wisconsin uh, or Iowa because Maryland's in the middle. So, um, you know, they think they can do it. We'll see. Uh, Andy, I have my doubts.
4: Andy, thanks for joining us. It's good hearing from you again. Sounds good, Luke. We'll talk to you soon, my man. Appreciate it. Andy Kendi from Omaha ABC70 worked in both the Milwaukee and Madison markets. Uh, not that many years ago. When we come back, we'll talk with Jeff Patrikas from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He's up next on Lucas in the Morning.
6: very good in the first half, specifically defensively. We were, you know, a step slow and late on things and letting the ball get to high percentage areas too much. And, um, second half, much better. Thought we were more proactive and aggressive and kept the ball out of the post and obviously got some offense from our defense. Nice to see the ball go in, but the catalyst was we were much better defensively in the second half.
4: Greg Gard, welcome back to Lucas in the Morning. Joining us now from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Jeff Petrikas. Good morning, Jeff.
6: Good.
9: How we doing?
4: All right. How about that Walt McGrory? They needed him in that first half last night.
9: Yeah, you know, I heard you talking to uh, my sidekick uh, Pauline earlier, and, and he's right about when we we watched him at practice Monday, and you saw him get a little time in, and you've you know you didn't know whether that was just going to be one time thing at practice, but you know, I, I was not surprised that he came in because they didn't have Kobe King and they needed a spark, uh, but I was more surprised how he acquitted himself because you know we. In Big Ten games a couple years ago when they really banged up, he, he struggled a little bit, but he looked very composed. And granted, it's only McNeese State, but still, it's the first time he's played in a long time, and he really gave them a spark and just was solid, was all-around solid, and they needed that at that point.
4: Jeff, out of this recruiting class, who do you think has a chance to be the most impactful player?
9: You know what? I honestly don't think there's one player I can identify, and I say that because... I think Carlson from Minnesota, Ben Carlson, is going to be really nice inside-out big. I think Stephen Kroll, who I've seen play too, has really nice skills, the type of you know center that they like who can step outside. And you look at the Davis twins, and especially Johnny, I liken his explosiveness to a combination of Michael Flowers, Devin Harris. I'm just talking about explosiveness, right, right. physical ability. Um, and, and then Lauren Bowman, you know, for point guard, uh, you know, I heard Jim talking about the first time Dean Alvers saw him play. The first time I saw him play was at Homestead High School, and it was in a chippy AAU game where guys are chirping at each other. He never changed his facial expression, never got caught up in any of the crap, just kept playing. And I remember thinking that night, "Damn, that—that's what you exactly what you want in the point guard." And point guard are so valuable. So, I think it's going to be just everything all those guys can do. I don't think one guy is going to really emerge as the anchor of that class, which is a good thing.
4: Yeah, it is a good thing. So let's switch to football. What What do you anticipate in Lincoln? I just talked with Andy Kendi. They've had the week off. Uh, this is kind of a, a must-win for them as far as urgency goes. They've got to still get bowl eligible. What do you think is going to happen?
9: Uh, there's a couple things. I, I, I hearken back to the Illinois game where, Illinois was, what, a 31-point underdog, and you could tell they played with a passion. And their linebacker, Jake Hansen came in after that victory, apparently puffing a cigar, and said, 31-point underdogs, huh? Well, that's a big you-know-what to everybody who thought that. And Nebraska's going to come out, and they're, they have to win. And I think Wisconsin needs to be ready to match that intensity early. I also expect Nebraska to play its entire two-deep on defense right at the line of scrimmage, because Jonathan Taylor has gashed those guys, and... I talked to a couple of their defensive players down in Chicago um, back in, actually it was July, about that topic. And you could see it bothered them. They didn't even like talking about him because he has just torn them up for the last two years. And plus, Wisconsin tailbacks traditionally have torn them up. So you know they're going to come out just determined to take away Taylor.
2: You're
4: going to get out of Lincoln in time for Marquette, Wisconsin, here on Sunday?
9: <laughs> My luck, No. <laughs> Even even if my both my flights are on time, I'll probably miss the first half.
4: Doggone so it, that, any
9: Any delay, any delay, and I'll miss the entire game.
4: That that's got a chance to be kind of interesting, doesn't it? I mean, what it was a great win last night for Marquette, rallying in the second half against Purdue.
9: Yeah, it's it's obviously no, no matter what the records are, there's going to be a tremendous amount of intensity. I, I, I'm guessing Kobe King is going to be back, um, which will help Wisconsin. Um, but uh, you know, I didn't unfortunately didn't see much of the Marquette Purdue game, so I. I don't know how good Purdue is yet. And, you know, obviously, Marcus Howard, you know, he has the ability to just light you up early. So I'm really curious to see how they defend him. So, But it should be entertaining.
4: Yeah, it should. Always is. All right. We'll see you in Lincoln, Nebraska. Talk to you Dad. See you down there. Jeff Patrikas, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Last call next. Lucas in the morning.
0: Before the night is through.
2: No,
7: you don't see much of it anymore. It used to kind of be the norm in football. Uh, now the teams that, that run a more standard offense are a little, little more of an outlier. Um, you get used to on defense the one back running game, one back run fits. The run fits are are quite a bit different with two backs. Um, you know they got a really good offensive line. Think the quarterbacks are good. Uh, the running back, obviously, uh, a lot of people talk about him. The, the, the kid playing fullback for him does a really good job opening up holes for him, uh, and they got some weapons on the outside. So. Um they got the, the talent to, to be really good, and I think their scheme's good, and, and it's a little unique uh, in this day and age in college football.
4: Well, there's a lot of coach speak out of Coach Frost. Scott Frost, welcome back. Lucas in the morning. Mike Heller joins me now. He's talking about the Badgers. This game just shapes up like everything. All the cards are on the table for Nebraska. Big story, ESPN.com. Can Scott Frost fix Nebraska? And if he can't, can anybody? It's like doom and gloom. Uh, they haven't had the season everyone thought they could have. They've had the extra week to get healthy more so than prepare, get healthy for Wisconsin. I'm not saying it's a trap game because I don't believe in a trap game with Nebraska. They have too much talent. It's not a trap game. No,
5: I, I, I Like what you said, uh, you or Je- Patrickus, I think, said it, got to survive some of that emotion early. And the last time we were there – uh, they had a ton of emotion, right, because they brought everybody back. Yes, and it was a prime time game, and they Wisconsin
4: they rubbed, did
5: survive this. They rubbed storm.
4: your nose in those championship rings, yeah, didn't they? they. Did. Grinded yeah. it,
5: and uh, so you, you've got to survive that. I thought the the conversation with Andy Kennedy is really interesting because there's still players bop, er, opting out now, yes. year two. Yeah, he talked about Barry when he arrived. A lot of players, they just had a parade of players coming into his office. Year one. Right, right away. Yes. Um, but still happening in year two, uh, that's a – I mean, it's a full culture change, right? Because it wasn't where they wanted to be. But I don't know that it will ever, ever get back to those glory days. Those days
4: It's are not going. going to get back Can't to get those back. days in any program. Yeah. And there are people there that won't let go of that. Yeah. That's why Mike Riley had no chance, right? No chance. Because they st- – they think Tom Osborne still can coach this team. Yeah. And he's there like twice a week and on game days.
5: He is their god. I mean, oh, Osborne's yeah. Osborne is a hero. Of course he is, Nebraska. and rightly so. Yeah.
4: yeah. I mean, he's had the same impact. I mean, Barry Alvarez has had the impact here that Osborne's had on Nebraska.
5: Impactful in the program. With, yes. Yes, absolutely. It's a Talk about a huge game. Nebraska... They need a bowl game.
4: Well, there's all sorts of urgency yeah, there.
5: They need a, they need that, in and the quarterback health, Can't that health—if
4: that quarterback's healthy, he's tough, man. We saw him here; he's dangerous. They don't play defense. No, they haven't been able to do that. They haven't I, been able to play defense. They haven't been able to play defense, but Martinez can hurt you with the run and the pass. And Spielman is one of the better wide receivers in the league. Chris. Yeah, Chris is going to be playing. They're related, though, right? Yeah. All right, I'm getting out of here. Where are you going? I got nothing else to do. Don't you stay in here? No, I don't want anything to do with it. No, no, thank you. Uh, Thanks for listening, Uh, though. To Lucas in the morning.
0: 18 plus.